Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome in, everybody. This is the Falcons podcast on a Wednesday morning. We do this live every Wednesday and Monday at 9 a.m. at uh, youtube.com slash Scott Kennedy and Atlanta Falcons fans on All Falcons on Facebook and Scott Kennedy Sports on Facebook. We do this live because we like having the interaction. We like having the questions. We like talking with y'all. Um, we also have the uh, the podcast after the fact. I'll drop a link in the chat for those of you if you want to um, or if you want to send a link to a friend, always a big help. So I'll send that. I'll drop that in the chat real quick. And I want to hit on some of the things that we're going to talk about. We'll say hello to some folks in the chats and we'll take questions. We'll go about 30 minutes or so today. Uh, the first thing I want to hit on Desmond Ritter's interview with the, uh, with ESPN yesterday or this week, uh, talking about Bijan Robinson, Drake London, Kyle Pitts, uh, some good stuff in there. It wasn't long. It was maybe two minutes, but still some some fun things to talk about in there. Um, and then I want to finish on some of the top camp battles, some of the things. It feels like a lot of the positions in the starting 22 are already set, but there are some places where there's some questions. And we can also highlight some of the depth at those areas too, because camp battles are generally a good thing. But let's say hello to some folks. And Wes Kessner, I said, this seems like a new name when I saw it come. And he says, good morning, guys. Somehow I just discovered this show, and it has made me super excited about Falcons football. Well, Wes, when I read this, I was thinking about you for several reasons. One, as I was thinking about the topics and going through in my mind some of the top camp battles, I was excited about this show. I was excited about the, this team that the Falcons are putting together. Uh, those of you that have been watching me for the last two years – know that I've pretty much been preaching doom and gloom. Like, listen, be patient. I like what Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot are doing with this team, but it's going to take two years before we start seeing some of the fruits of their labor. Those two years are done. Now it's time to move into 2023. We've had a tremendous offseason here in Atlanta. Let's, uh, and we're going to hit on some of those things today. So Wes, welcome in. Appreciate you being here. Uh, Jamal coming in says, Ride up, rise up. Good morning, everybody. Uh, good morning, Jamal. Big Ant. Big Ant, saw you hit the retweet. Appreciate that on Twitter. That helps us reach more Falcons fans just like you. So thank you very much. He says, good morning, Scott. And everyone in the chat. And Michael Ranquillo has also coming in from Arizona. He says, good morning, Scott and Nick on the Falcons podcast. It will be just me for a little bit, probably until camp starts. So unless I start bringing in some other guests, Nick is out doing some summer things outside before football season starts. So appreciate y'all being here with me. Alan says, good morning. Let's talk some Falcons. Absolutely. Jason Heller says, good morning, Scott and fellow good people. That's all y'all. 
very excited about this year. feels like we're going to turn the corner this year, or at least start headed in the right direction. <clears throat> Greg says, uh, Greg Elrod coming. He says, good morning, fellow forehead brother. You must have one of these too. <laughs> Bring on the info. I just got a feeling about this team. I hope we continue to be overlooked right up until the point that they're forced to look at us in the eye. And Greg, that's going to be a while. It could be all season long. Honestly, the disrespect could continue for this Atlanta Falcons team all year long, frankly, because of their schedule. Their schedule is one of the easiest on paper going in in the entire NFL. It's one of the reasons we said, I look at this team, I look at the improvements they've made, I look at that they were a seven-win team back-to-back seasons with a roster that was obviously inferior to the one that they're going to put out there in just in, in multiple positions. I look at the roster, I was like, they, they got to win 10. They, they should win 10 games. Easy. Maybe 11, maybe 12. They go 12 and 5, and everybody's going to say, oh, their schedule. They weren't any good. They're going to get exposed in the playoffs. Wouldn't that be nice? Aren't you hope? Wouldn't, wouldn't it be nice to have a 12 and 5 and everybody bad mouth in the Atlanta Falcons? I'm okay with that. You, tell, you, you offer me 12 and 5 right now, I'll take it. Uh, Zach Powers says, good morning, sickos. Yeah, that's us. I always said when I worked at Scout in these, you know, we, we basically started the team-based philosophy of major media with Scout, Rivals, 24-7, turns into Bleacher Report, SB Nation, fan-sided, all of those things. I always said, uh, we cater to the lunatic fringe, and that's okay because I'm, I'm the head lunatic. If you're watching a Falcons podcast on July 19th, you're a little crazy. And I'm I'm, I'm the leader here. I, I get it. I'm, I'm the, the lead lunatic here. Gary Palmer coming in. He says, good morning. Good morning to you, Gary. G- Gary leads Palmer. GLP and Philip, Hop- uh, Philip Hogginson coming in also says, good morning, Scott. Good morning to you as well. Uh, Justin, this feels like a newer name. Justin Longstreth. Uh, I would think I'd remember that name, and I definitely remember that beard. I couldn't grow that beard if he gave me two years to do it. So very impressed. He says, Falcons. And it looks like we can get started for real because the Facebook stream is starting to open up as Harry is coming in saying hello, missed us. Chris Walker, appreciate you being here. Antonio Langford. Uh, and Harry is already hitting up on our topic, which is saying, I'd say wide receiver has the most battles to win. We'll hit on that one too. Um, and then uh, Rusty comes in. He says, I just seen a graphic today. Uh, KP had a hammy pull in week 17 or 18 of his rookie year, strained the same hammy last year and missed week five, then the MCL. Does that worry anybody? He's talking about Kyle Pitts. Um, does Kyle Pitts' injury history worry me? Not not too bad. Uh, Arthur Smith did say last year, it, during the offseason, Kyle Pitts was dealing with some things. He didn't elaborate on that, whether it was, uh, you know, physical, mental, you know, off, off the field type of stuff. She said he was dealing with some things. So that might be what you're referring to Rusty. So uh, appreciate you, appreciate you bringing, bringing that in. So I want to get started here. want to talk about uh, some of the things that, that uh, Desmond Ritter said. And if you didn't see it, I posted it on all Falcons this morning. I'll put a link in the chat as well. And yes, I used a little bit of a click break bait title. I'm sorry, but it helps us make money and helps us keep the lights on and do all that, those things. But I said he breaks his silence, breaks his silence on Bijan Robinson. Well, he hasn't had a chance to really talk too much about it. But he was asked uh, by Dan, Arf- I can't pronounce his name, Dan O on ESPN, Orlowski, um, about Bijan Robinson. You know, what surprised you so far? And despite his obvious explosiveness, and this is what Ritter said, 
He says his explosiveness. It's it's incredible. He says, you obviously, you see it on tape. You see it, what he did at Texas. But when you see him in person, it's just a different level. It's just something different. And the other thing that caught my attention in there was he said how it he's able to line up anywhere and do anything. That's a little foreshadowing, y'all, for Bijan Robinson. You call him a running back, and you can roll back the, the film of me talking about why I'm not all that thrilled with taking a running back number eight overall because of the the duration of the of the player, the, the you know the the wear and tear on the body. You don't necessarily want to give them a second contract. You give up the uh, the financial advantage of having a rookie contract and you draft one that high. Okay, all that still holds true, but maybe not for this guy, Bijan Robinson. One, he's arguably the best player in the draft. Two. He's not just a running back. He's going to be used all over the place. This is an offensive playmaker, a wild card. Think Cordero Patterson plus, plus, plus for the next, well, at least five years for the Atlanta Falcons. Um, Line up anywhere and do anything. They're going to get the ball in his hands. That's pretty exciting. Um, I'm interested. I can't wait to see what he can do. And and I, I always hedged on that. I said, no, I wasn't. I wasn't upset about the pick. It wasn't my first choice with Bijan Robinson, but I could certainly make an argument for it. And I will certainly be excited to watch him play in, in, in Mercedes-Benz and what he can do immediately because he needs to have an immediate impact with the Atlanta Falcons. Otherwise, you don't take a, a running back with a number eight pick. You just don't unless he's going to come in and play uh, and, and be a big part of this offense right away. The second part of the interview that Desmond, that Desmond Ritter had on ESPN uh, concerned Drake London and Kyle Pitts. Now, I'm going to kind of skip to the punchline here because as I was looking this up, in my conclusion on that story I linked, I was talking about the the Falcons have surrounded Ritter with a good team. They've got one of the best offensive lines and the young weapons at the skill position players. And I actually missed by a year on all of them because Drake London... His birthday is not for another five days. He's still 21 years old. Kyle Pitts is still 22 years old. And Bijan Robinson is still 21 years old. That, you know, we talked about um, at the top of the show, we were saying Wes Kessner, he says, uh, you know, I'm excited to talk, super excited to talk Falcons football. Say those with me again. Kyle Pitts, 22 years old. Drake London, 21 years old. Bijan Robinson, 21 years old. And oh, by the way, your quarterback is what, 23, 24? I didn't look up him. He's a second year guy. Four years through, he's probably 23. And they're good. You know, we'll see about Ritter, but, you know, the early returns were solid. And there shouldn't be too much question about the other three. Let's say Ritter isn't the guy and you got to go in and get a quarterback. Do you think you might be able to sell him on this offense and these weapons that you're able to surround him with, with Kyle Pitts, Drake London, Bijan Robinson, and one of the top offensive lines in the NFL? That should be exciting, not just for this year, but for years moving forward. Uh, I, I've used the phrase, the Falcons, they've built an offense. It's almost entirely across the board draft picks of their own draft picks. And then they've gone and bought a defense in order to compete because it's hard to do both, you know, it's hard to draft both sides of the ball in, in a two, three year span. Uh, but they've gone and bought a defense this year to help complement that offense. Offense was a top 15 scoring unit last year and should be better this year. 
They finished 15th in scoring offense last year. Not bad. Can they move up into the top 10 this year? Yeah, I think they can in scoring. And can the defense move from a bottom fifth unit to middle of the pack? If they move up to 15th in defense or so with a top 10 offense, you're talking 12 wins is not out of the question for sure. So um, the other thing that Drake London said, uh, I'm sorry, but Desmond Ritter said when Orlowski asked him, what's the hardest, what's the easiest thing and the hardest thing? And about throwing to Drake London and uh, and Kyle Pitts, he says, well, the easiest thing is getting them the ball. They're, they're monsters out there. They're huge. They go up and get it. Um, they've got a huge, you know, area I can throw the ball into. And I really didn't want to think about Marcus Mariota with, with, with the second part of the quote, but I couldn't help it. What was the hardest thing? And Drake, and I've called him Drake twice now. And Desmond said, missing them. <laughs> I hope that doesn't come back to bite him. He goes, they're so big. It's really hard to miss them uh, when you're throwing them the ball. And he said it with a with a grin, you know, and a laugh. But but think about that again. Going back to, are you getting excited about this Falcons team? I got a quarterback who says, "Man, these guys are just hard to miss." You know, with the ball, not just out on the field because they look like basketball players. That they're they they go up and get it. They are great in contested catches. They're six foot six, six foot five. Uh, I think Kyle Pitts is a thirty five inch vertical leap. You know, in a wingspan that was the the biggest one in twenty years. And they're 21 years old, 21, 22 years old. Wouldn't it be fun to see these guys for the next decade? You know, for those of you my age, you suffered through the 80s. They had one winning season in in the 80s, and that was 1980. The 90s were kind of hit and miss. Um, and then we had a really good 10-year run or so with, with you know, the beginning of Matt Ryan's career was, I called it the golden age of Falcons football. And, and yes, it was. They didn't win a Super Bowl, but compared to the previous history, would it be nice to have another 10-year run like that with these guys? What's what's nice, the other part of what you enjoy about being a Falcons fan in this day and age is you don't have to worry about Arthur Blank. You know, will he live another 10 years? That might be another question. But being able to hold on to his players. You know, when when, when you were my age and you'd see a Deion Sanders, you're like, hey, let's enjoy him for four years because then he will be on the first train out of here because Rankin-Smith won't pay him. So, you know, again, I'm excited about what Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot have built with the support that Arthur Blank and the infrastructure has built uh, in order to turn this into a legitimate franchise, which we didn't have the first 40 years here in Atlanta of, the, of this, this, this team's existence. So you should all be very excited about the offensive weapons, Desmond Ritter's comments. And again, check them out on allfalcons.com if you haven't already. I want to say hello to some more folks that are coming into the chat here. Kevin Mapp saying, um, good morning. Good morning to you over on Facebook. Archangel saying the Falcons are just hated nationwide. Even if we go 14 and three, they will still find a flaw on our team. Archangel, I don't know that the, the Falcons are disrespected. I don't, I don't think they've been relevant enough to be hated. Honestly, nobody hates, really hates a losing team. They hate a team. If the Dallas Cowboys are losing, people take pride in that. If the Pittsburgh Steelers are losing, 
the Raiders were good enough for a long time that people enjoy that, the schadenfreude aspect of it. People enjoyed piling on Denver Broncos and Russell Wilson last year. But the Falcons and the Saints and the Buccaneers and the Panthers, you know, through the years, they haven't been relevant enough to really be hated. Disrespected, yeah, I'll, I'll give you that one because it, it's they don't move the needle. Um, quick story, I was writing, a, uh, I, was, uh, I was at a recruiting camp watching two guys and I had a tight end that was going to Michigan and a tight end that was going to the University of Miami. I basically had the same story, I had highlights and everything. The, the, the Michigan commitment got 10 times the traffic that my that my Miami Hurricanes kid did just because Michigan's they're, they're so much bigger. You're disrespected on the national media because right now the Falcons don't move the needle. That, that That's part of it. You don't want to pump up a team. When I worked at Fox, God, I don't remember who it was. It, it was there was the World Series was coming on. It was. I think the Houston Astros against the Arizona Diamondbacks. It was two small market teams. And, and the idea, I heard somebody in the hallway say they should just cancel the damn series. They were pissed that these two small market teams were in it because it's bad for ratings. So hated, I don't think so. Um, I, I don't think they've been relevant enough to be hated, honestly. Um, Gatorade Gaming coming in. It says, good morning, Scott. What's good, fellow foosball fans? Um, Zach Power says, if Bijan turns into a ring of famer, hall of famer, it'll all be worth the, the eighth overall pick. No doubt. It, 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 to make the ring of fame, it's not as high a, a benchmark. It's someplace like the Chicago Bears or the Green Bay Packers or the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, I think the leading rusher might still be Gerald Riggs with five or 6,000 yards. But I, Zach, I said, if you could get peak Derrick Henry for three years, would you, would that be worth a, a first round pick? Yeah, it would. The guy put up, you know, 10,000 yards from scrimmage in three or four years. Yeah, that's still worth a, a, a first round pick, a top 10 pick. So he, I'm not saying he's going to be rushing for 2,000 yards. He's got help. Tyler Algier is going to carry the load, but he should be a playmaker. He has to contribute right away. He has to be a 1,200-yard, 10-touchdown guy his rookie season to justify taking a running back with the number eight pick. He, he just has to be. Otherwise, you're going to start looking at questions. The same holds true for Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts is a generational talent, highest tight end ever drafted, ever drafted. To this point, it's been a little disappointing. He's got two touchdowns, I think, in his career. Uh, had a good season with yardage his first season, and last year was not so good. So. 1,500 yards receiving and two touchdowns in two years? No, that's that's not good enough for where for where you took him. He's got a lot more long-term potential, though, than you would get out of a running back. So that's that's where that comes into play. Um, Ryan Adonis comes in. He says, wait and see how popular Bijan Robin is, even just in preseason. He will change the franchise on his star power alone. And I think they were kind of hoping that Kyle Pitts might do that. Um Desmond Ritter, you know, usually the face of the franchise is the quarterback. Uh, and Ryan, this is one of the reasons I wanted him to take Kyle Hamilton. I thought he could help be this guy, being a local kid and um, you know, super smart Notre Dame, presents well, be everything that Justin Simmons is for the Denver Broncos, but be that here as a local guy in Atlanta. Maybe B. John Robinson can be that guy. I don't, I don't have any doubt you're going to see a ton of sevens up in the stands. No doubt about that one for sure. Um. Joe Cannon coming in. He says, great morning, Scott. Good morning to you as well. My, sh uh, good morning to you as well, my friend. Um, 
Marco Z. <laughs> we're t- I was talking about, you know, I, I didn't want to pile on Marcus Mariota when Desmond Ritter says what's the hard part is missing these guys. There's a a, YouTube, a, a Twitter video out there that shows it was kind of in the you know sarcastic font saying, but Arthur Smith doesn't know how to use Kyle Pitts. And it was probably 10, 20 plus yard passes where Marcus Mariota just flat out missed Kyle Pitts, where an average throwing NFL quarterback hits at least half of those. And you're talking about another 200 yards and maybe a couple touchdowns. Um, it, it, it was t- so I immediately thought of that as well. Uh, Jacqueline Galloway coming in says, Good morning, Scott, and a big old rise up, y'all. Good morning to you as well. And thank you again last week, um, for that super chat that you came in with. That was Monday, so the last time we were out. Um, want to move on a little bit to some of the actually, this is a newer name, so I want to hit this one. Um, because it's a really good question, too. Talking about camp battles, is there a camp battle at the running back position? I don't think so, and, and why not? Because I think they're going to be pretty relatively evenly split between between uh, Bijan Robinson and Tyler Algier. And then Cordell Patterson is going to see a lot of the field in a bunch of different places. Wolf Catholic Podcasts asks, how do you see the carries between our three running backs going in terms of percentage? I would like to see them somewhere in the neighborhood of 45, 35, 20 at most for Cordero Patterson. I don't want Cordero Patterson getting double-digit carries out of the backfield. I'd like to see him with double-digit touches. So if you're talking eight carries and three swing passes out of the slot at wide receiver, that's how I want to see Cordero Patterson get it. Um, What I want to do and analyze is, you know, how were Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman, how did they mix it up? Because I think that will be a little bit more how this will be used, except it'll be more run-heavy. Tevin Coleman had a really good career um, with the Falcons, made some money when he left to go be a, a, a carry a heavier load. So I think like 45, 35, and if you're talking 300 touches to 200 maybe for uh, for Tyler Algier, I think that would be a, a nice mix. And then you're talking maybe 100 touches for Cordero Patterson, more efficient touches. At the beginning of last year, Cordell Patterson came out he, like he always does. He's running like his hair's on fire. It doesn't sustain that well, not 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 at the running back position, and he's going to get hurt. I want him to be used more efficiently, more effectively, not with the volume, but the quality of touches. That's what I'm hoping for Cordell Patterson this year. Um, Ryan Adonis asks, what if you had Van Ness at eight, but he only had three sacks his rookie year? I think Bijan just needs to get first downs and TDs and he will be fine. Well, that's, that's those are big things, first downs and touchdowns. Um, but you, you asked the question about, about Bijan Robinson because you know, you've pushed back a little bit on, on my expectations for him. If Lucas Van Ness, if you had drafted him in eight and he only had three sacks his rookie year, that's, that's fine. Uh, but what does he do moving forward? What does the needle go by? Because if he's 26 years old, And his last two years, he has 20 sacks, okay? He has 10 in the last two. He's getting a massive, massive second contract. Massive. Because he's entering the prime of his 26-year-old year. year. 26, 27, 28, 29, 30. His next contract is going to be massive. Now do the same with a running back. Go ask Saquon Barkley. Go ask Josh Jacobs. So... If he starts off slow and then has two really good years, 
where he's got 700 touches in his last two years, he's going to get tagged. You're you're using him up, the shelf life on a running back. And that's why I said maybe Tyler Algier is going to be his best friend. I tell you that with Bijan Robinson, being able to share the load and being able to maybe get the ball out of him in space where he's not taking so much punishment right between the tackles. But that's why it's a different scenario. That's why you have to hit on a running back early because their shelf life is smaller. And if you don't hit on them early, one, you're probably not going to hit on them at all because running back's a pretty easy position to acclimate to, to the NFL. But two, if you're only getting a couple of years of production out of them and you're wearing the tread off of the tires, you're, you're done. You've, you've missed out on that second contract. That sec, the, the prime years of a running back are 22 to 25 years old. Doesn't work like that with other positions. So, um, let me see. I wanted to talk about some of the um, some of the best camp battles here. We've gone 25 minutes already. Hadn't planned on going that long today. Um, but looks like we'll push into 40 minutes or so. Some of the, uh, the, the top camp battles for me, I think the first one is, is at left guard. Uh, the Falcons drafted. They, they let Eli Wilkinson leave via free agency, who had 11 games and was really good last year. They drafted Matthew Bergeron, uh, and they traded up to get him with a number two with their uh, second round pick. Um, someone that we were very high on, and seems like a plug and play. But Matt Hennessy, in his third year, isn't just fourth year. Matt Hennessy in his fourth year isn't just ready to give up that spot as well. And during OTAs and during minicamp, he was taking reps with the first team. That's to be expected. I think what's also to be expected is you want your your second round pick on the interior line to be a starter. Um, Bergeron could move out to tackle one day. He could be some insurance for Jake Matthews two three years down the road. But the the big the big one the big battle on the offensive line right now is left guard will be between Hennessy and Bergeron. It doesn't matter to me. I'm, I'm hoping that Bergeron lives up to that number two pick, that second round pick draft status, because if he does, then he's going to be really good. But if he is really good and Hennessy is able to hold him off, so be it. So be it. Um, you just, you like having the competition there for a change, which the Falcons haven't had on the offensive line here the last few years. The second one for me is wide receiver two. Um, you know, we talk, I, I, I blow off the second wide receiver position a lot when I'm talking about, okay, it's fourth quarter, three minutes left in the game. You're in a run and shoot type, four wides and a, and a single back. This is what it's going to look like. Kyle Pitts, Drake London, Cordero Patterson, Bijan Robinson in the slot, and Tyler Algier at running back. That all sounds pretty good. Um, when we talk about wide receivers as far as who's going to catch the ball the most, the guy listed as wide receiver two maybe seventh in receiving this year behind Jonu Smith, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, Cordero Patterson, Tyler Algier, and Bijan Robinson before I start really having to worry about wide receiver two. That said, Mac Hollins is big. He's fast, and he'll be an asset in the running game because of his blocking. Scotty Miller is being brought in to help on special teams and could push Cordero Hodge as a slot type of receiver as well. But I think that is one of the, it's, 
on the depth chart, it's going to be a battle. And then whoever wins is going to have to battle for opportunities. I, I really believe that. Like I said, I just mentioned six guys that could see more touches, more catches, more targets than whoever is wide receiver two. Because for me, receiver one, two, and three on this team and four, Bijan Robinson, Cordero Patterson, Kyle Pitts, and Drake London. Um, I think there's a little bit more competition on the defensive side of the ball than on the offense. Offense is fairly well wrapped up. Uh, honestly, it's it's pretty it's fairly well set when you think of uh, of the the top eleven. I did say Scotty Miller on this one. I did say Scotty Miller. Don't forget about him. Matt Collins and Scotty Miller and Cordero Hodge would be a really good three four uh, wide receiver three four. So we will see, you know, and I think that's how they'll end up being used. So it, it shouldn't be, it, it should be okay. For those, you know, really worried about wide receiver depth, would the DeAndre Hopkins have been nice on this team? Yeah, yeah, it would have been nice. Um, was he an absolute necessity for this to become a top 10 offense? No, no. How this becomes a top 10 offense is more on the shoulders of Desmond Ritter than those around him. Those around him, have the capabilities of being a top 10 offense. No doubt in my mind. Um, on the other side of the ball, on the defensive side of the ball, uh, I'm actually interested in, in one of the defensive line spots because if you're running a 3-4, and there's no guarantee you are, you're looking at Calais Campbell, David Onyemata, and Grady Jarrett. Gosh, that sounds nice, doesn't it? Doesn't that sound nice as a front three uh, instead of who are these guys? Who? And unsigned drafted free agents and... Chicago Bears waiver wire pickup from the practice squad. Um, and then Timmy Horn did some decent things last year, but I'm really, really interested to see how Taekwon Graham fits back in. I think he can see a lot of time in a four-man front. There's there's no saying that you're going to be out there in a three. You can be out there in a four. I think you're going to be multiple and in, in you know, a base this, base that. You're going to be multiple all the time. Taquan Graham will push any veteran in front of him for playing time and make him asleep. We might be better off if we run a front four, we got to get Taquan Graham on the field. Ryan Nielsen's smart enough to figure that out. So that is one of the, the places I'm looking for. And I think, let's see, someone else had just said it too. Um, but I'm sorry, I'm doing this by myself, so I can't find it, uh, was the cornerbacks. Um, we start, start looking outside of AJ Terrell, Write his name in Sharpie. That one's that one's not going anywhere. Jeff Akuda is being considered the the number two opposite AJ Terrell, but I don't think that one's completely done. I don't I don't think you can just write that one in Sharpie when you can talk about Mike Hughes maybe getting that spot. Um, you can talk about uh, Darren Hall maybe out there, but I think there's going to be some competition for those. I, I really would have liked to have seen a spot for Casey Hayward as well, but. Running out there with three corners, if you're in a, in a nickel package of A.J. Terrell, Jeff Okuda, and Mike Hughes, is certainly an upgrade over what the Falcons have been able to throw out there in the past. Um, next to them, the other safety position isn't set in stone as far as I'm concerned. There's one that is. You can, when, I'm, when I'm writing down the team sheet, A.J. Terrell at safety, Jesse or at, at corner, Jesse Bates at safety. Done. It, that, that's done. Those are probably the first two names down. Richie Grant doesn't have a permanent stranglehold on that position. Jalen Hawkins played some decent ball last year. Uh, I would expect him, and then you know, keep an eye on DeMarco Hellams, a rookie, to push them both. But Jalen Hawkins is 
perfectly capable of taking that spot back from Richie Grant. I think we all want it to be Richie Grant. Again, he was a high pick, second round pick. So, um, you know, keep an eye on him. And then finally, Edge. Edge is going to be one of those spots as well. Does Caden Ellis move outside some? Um, does Arnold Ebiketti just put a, I use the term a little bit ago, a stranglehold on that position? Bud Dupree, what can he give you? Lorenzo Carter, what can he give you? Um, and, you know, Ade Ogundeji, sorry, I, th- you know, I think he's going to be tough to be seen on the field at all. And then can D'Angelo Malone, who was a third round pick last year, can he take the step up and start pushing for those guys? There's nobody there that is, again, written in Sharpie. Everybody in, on, at edge is dry erase. We That's going to be a fluid, fluid position at edge. So those are my top camp battles to watch going in. Now I want to, I'm going to go back through the chat here real quick before we get out of here, just to say hello to some folks and make sure I didn't miss anything. Um, One Nation Underground says Jesse Bates is better than Kyle Hamilton. Maybe, maybe. Um, He's certainly about four times more expensive, which is something you have to factor in. And again, why not four times? He's probably making three times right now, which lets you put money into other places. Now, PFF had Kyle Hamilton as the number one rated safety last year. Uh, Jesse Bates is really good. And I'm looking and he's young, too. He came into the league at 20. I think he's just 20. Him and him and Richie Grant are the same age. So he is a five-year, six-year vet. This will be his sixth season, I believe, but he's only 25 years old, 26 years old. So very young. Um, let's see here. Uh, uh, Jacqueline coming in. So I need to support my favorite uh, podcast. So you're more certainly welcome. Well, thank you very much. Um, Harry Marshall Wood is calling his shot of uh Tyler Algier gets 900 to 1000 yards rushing so he's calling 11 to 1200 receiving Bijan gets or uh, I mean total yards from scrimmage Bijan gets between 14 and 1500 yards from scrimmage I like that number and I think even on uh Smitty Sports Machine is in here thanks for joining us Smitty Smitty had this as a topic about can they both be a thousand yard rushers and I put under the comments I want to see 3,000 yards from scrimmage from those two. That, to me, would be a mark uh, worth chasing. Um, let me see here. Nighthawk says, if we get a Super Bowl in four to five years, then Bijan was worth it. Well, duh. <laughs> yeah, it was. If you're the LA Rams and you only get one good year out of Matthew Stafford and traded away a first-round pick, yes, a Super Bowl would be worth it. Yeah, it, without a doubt. Um, the Bijan, Bijan, again... It's not all on Bijan, of course. I'm just saying, if you draft a running back in the top 10, you got to get the most out of him during the rookie contract because as you have seen with the running back market, it's 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 tough on those guys. You can get good running backs for cheap. So using premium resources on a running back, he better be really, really, really good. Otherwise, I could go out and get Josh Jacobs. Instead of B. John Robinson, I could have gone out and signed Josh Jacobs for a, a one-year deal. I could go out and get Dalvin Cook right now uh, and plug him in for cheap. I could um, I could make it a pretty easy deal for Saquon Barkley probably. You know, there's Ezekiel Elliott. I wouldn't want him, but that goes back to why you don't necessarily want to take a run about. How good was Zeke Elliott his first four years? You signed him to a contract extension. Now Tony Pollard is better than him. So it's... Again, the running backs don't want to get paid. So using a premium resource, whether it's money or draft pick, 
on a running back, he better be really, really good. And I think we all have pretty good belief that Bijan Robinson is going to be really, really good. Uh, out of your Falcon mind says, good morning, Scott. Good morning to you as well. Um, looking forward to doing your show. I think we're doing that next Tuesday. Um, so I'll, uh, you know, follow me on Twitter. Make sure you're, you're keeping up out at Scout Kennedy on Twitter so I can make sure that you are following us when we join uh, the Out of Your Falcon Mind podcast. Christiana Roden says, good morning, Scott. Nice to see you. To you as well. Rusty Moore Jr. asked the question, is Jalen Mayfield a memory? Who? No, I'm teasing. Um, he's a fading memory. Jalen Mayfield was thrown to the Wolves as a young rookie who had 14 starts at tackle, at right tackle, no less, in his college career, and then started 16 games as a rookie, 15 games, I think he might have missed one, as a rookie at left guard. He had more starts at left guard in the NFL than he did on the offensive line in college. He was thrown to the Wolves. Back issue last year. Moved him back to right tackle where he was drafted in the preseason. We'll see. I I do not have high expectations um, for Jalen Mayfield. Anything you get out of him is going to be gravy at this point. Um, Let me see as we finish up here. Keith Robbins, good to have you back. He says, missed you guys. We missed you too. Um, Let me see here. Uh, Another PRPR. That's a very cool pipe. You've got sail in your, uh, you got surfing there. He says lots to be learned by the time preseason comes around. Uh, a lot of it will be on the defensive side of the ball. And then we'll be, qu- you're not going to know what you've got in Desmond Ritter until week five or six of the regular season. Uh, you're not going to see a whole lot in the preseason and they're not going to show a whole lot. Neither team is going to show a whole lot. Um, offense, like I said, I think the offense is going to be, they were a top 15 unit last year with Marcus Mariota and four games of rookie Desmond Ritter. Um, Archangel says, mark it down. Akuda will be the number two cornerback. I, I think so too. Um, but it's there's. I'm hoping he, Caleb McGarry's this thing. And without his fifth-year option being picked up, forces the Falcons to make a hard choice on paying him because he had such a great year. Um, Clifford Johnson is, uh, and appreciate she's very active on all the comments on, on our site too. No monsters at edge. No, not yet. Uh, can Arnold and be that guy? I think Lorenzo Carter, we've pretty much figured out is who he's going to be. He's going to be a solid rotational guy, uh, but he's not going to be more than that. And this is still the next place of investment for me, assuming Desmond Ritter works out. Then you, your, your next either big money or high draft pick, if it's available, if the right guy's available, needs to go into a pass rusher, needs to go into edge. Um <laughs> the Ravens absolutely stole Hamilton in the draft. Well, it was a position like running back. It was a position that's not considered of positional value. So they just went out and got arguably the best player in the draft. That was that was my thought on it too, because there weren't great options at number eight as far as value positions. You can say Drake London was that guy, but shoot, there was a bunch of wide receivers that went right after him too. Um, that, you know, if you had moved down some and picked up another second round pick and then gotten Garrett Wilson. Um, but they took the, they got their first pick at wide receiver. And if you continue to get good players, you're going to be just fine. So Drake London can play, keep stacking good players. And I'm not going to worry about, oh, I could have had this guy. I don't care. I really don't. I might care beforehand, but once you get that guy, it's not forecasting anymore. It's what do you have? 
Drake London, Kyle Pitts, good players. Now let's make the best of them. Um, Keith asks, is there a possibility the Falcons will trade a running back this year? No. Um, I don't, I don't see really any way of doing that. Um, if they make a trade, it would probably be next year and Cordero Patterson will have one year left on his deal. Uh, Tyler Algier might, you might be able to make a move there, but, uh, after that it becomes Caleb Huntley who is coming off an Achilles injury. And I think will end up being a practice squad guy. So I think you're going to need all three of your top guys and they will be used a lot and, you know, God willing, they'll stay healthy. Um, you know, they, they left Tyler Algier inactive last year and I already forgot the guy they signed from the chiefs. He had one carry, like broke his foot on the first carry and then was never seen from again. And Tyler Algier was not inactive anymore. Um, after that, um, let me see here. Um, I think we're about done here. I think that's it. Uh, Kevin says, if you bring in guests, how about Dave Holcomb? I would enjoy his writing. would like to know more. I think we could probably work that out. He writes for me at, uh, at allfalcons.com and Dave is a good guy. So we might do something like that. I, I still would like to tap into my resources of ex players and do something like that as well. And Antonio helps me out here. His name was Damian Williams. Speaking of guys that were just a memory. On that note, we're going to be a memory today. I appreciate everybody joining here. Y'all were here early today. Super active uh, chat today. Uh, thank you so much for doing that. We will be back here on Monday morning at 9 a.m. And rookies are reporting. So we should have some news, some actual news, not just projections, but some news about how guys are looking. Hopefully no injury news, that type of stuff. And then veterans report at the end of next week as well. So y'all, training camp is here. Football is right around the corner. Uh, we started off the top of the show saying you should be excited about this team. I'm excited. I hope you're excited. We'll see you Monday. And uh, thank you all for being here.